Welcome to Backyard Catch. This is your host, Nick Roby. Um, I'm here joined today by my good friend, Alex Fuldenauer. How's it going? It's going good. Excited good. to be here. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. It's been really fun to, to talk about it now to get to actually have you on. Yes. Alex is, for the record, Alex is rocking his Virginia Tech and uh, LA Lakers. Yes. Um, representing pretty hard. And I have right a Kobe now. t-shirt on underneath. Oh, with the low-key Kobe t-shirt yeah, underneath. Yeah. And I'm, I'm rocking my Clemson sweatshirt, so we can't even help that so right now. We're geared up right now. We're geared up right now. So Alex has been so gracious to join us. And so I guess Alex, just for the listeners, just to give people just a little background of yourself of like, how you got into sports, what sports you've liked growing up. How's that kind of been a part of your life up yeah. until now? Yeah, sports has been a big part of my life. So I grew up with three older brothers and a dad who played um, basketball through college. And he played some semi- semi-pro in Europe um, a little bit. And so it was a big part of my life uh, when it came to playing and watching. So growing up, my brothers, two of them, cheered for the Cowboys a lot, as well as the Lakers. And so I grew up also cheering for the Cowboys and the Lakers. I remember a specific Cowboys game where um, they were playing the Redskins, and my other antagonistic brother um, was cheering for the Redskins, and I decided whoever wins this game is going to be my favorite team. And, of course, the Cowboys won. Right. So they are now my favorite team. So um, it came down to that one game pretty much. Yes, where, yes. Where your alliance is yeah. lies the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah and so that, to your children. that was definitely a key moment in my life, and I never looked back from that time. So I'm one of those guys that has a weird mix of teams that I like. I like because of my older brother influence that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowboys, the Lakers, like we mentioned, and even North Carolina basketball. Um, so last night, actually, I didn't tell you this. Last night, while I was sitting at work at like noon yesterday, mm-hmm. looking up Virginia Tech basketball schedules because that's where I went to college. And I wanted to take my three-year-old to a game because he was asking to go. And I couldn't find a schedule that worked out when I was looking at the calendar. And then I looked. I'm like, well, we're playing uh, the Tar Heels tonight. Like, I wonder how much those tickets are. I look them up. They're only 25 bucks. And I was like, man, if I leave in like an hour, I can make it there in time. So I texted my wife. And I was like, hey, can I go? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I texted my boss. And I was like, hey, can I leave early? He's like, sure. So I was like, all right. So I texted my brother-in-law. I was like, hey, you want to go? He said, sure. So we drove four hours to the game yesterday. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's and amazing. We, Just drove to Chapel Hill. Yeah, drove literally. to Chapel Hill, um, went to the amazing. game, got there right before tip-off, literally, and uh, watched the Tar Heels crush the Hokies. And I went. I'd, I was going to wear a UNC and Virginia Tech like gear, like mix it up, because I'm, I'm one of those confused fans mm-hmm. in that scenario, because I grew up cheering for Tar Heels because of my brothers, but then I went to Virginia Tech. So it's just like this weird thing. Yeah. And my, my emotions don't even know what to do sometimes during the game. It's very unfortunate. Um, and But my son only had Virginia Tech gear. He had North Carolina gear, but he's outgrown it. So I was yeah. like, well, i got to get his back and just go all Hokies. And that's kind of what my heart was feeling 60% anyways. Sure. So I went all Hokies with it, and uh, unfortunately that didn't pan out. But we yeah. got on TV. We, we snuck down to better seats, got on TV, had a good time, and I drove back and got here at like 1.30 in the morning. And went to bed and then woke up and went to work this morning. That's amazing. So I love the commitment. Yeah, that, that was, was that was pretty fun and my my son loved it most importantly. Yeah, was, how, how did he take all that? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. Yeah, he was he was also confused because he knows we like both, but he definitely likes the Hokies more. But then when North Carolina was winning by a lot and there's tons of cheering happening, he's kind of like, "Hey, can I cheer for them?" Like, <laughs> we're in the bathroom afterwards. He's like, "Hey, next time can we cheer for North Carolina?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we can do that next time," but. You wanted to cheer for the Hokies, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, just next time. Can we cheer for them? I was like, 
yeah, we won't play them again, so yeah, we can cheer for them again. But it's very confusing, so I'm confused, he's confused, but Mm -hmm. in the end, one of the teams we love won, and it was a good game. That's an amazing... Man, I hope he remembers that. Um, I loved it because I remember we came over before, and they were watching the Virginia game, and he did not sit down the entire time he was up. And he would get pumped. I've never seen somebody go from zero to like an eight in like a three-second span. And it was just like an inbound play or something. It was amazing. <laughs> yes. Just, and then they would throw the ball off the wall to try to make a basket. Yep. At the same time. Yep. It was it was amazing. Yeah, watching sports has taken another level of excitement for me. And having two boys, three and two years old now, that just enjoy every second of it and barely watch the game when they're it's on TV because they're just playing it, their own version right, of it. Right, they almost it. just weren't imagining like, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's been way more exciting to be a sports fan, and I didn't know that was like even possible to do it with them um, and cheer with them and to teach them. That's the other part of sports in my life has been playing sports, played golf, tennis, basketball, mm-hmm. you know, all, all through high school, all of those, and uh, ultimate frisbee, even competitively through high school and college. And so now being able to teach them and start to bring them up is like. An aspect I knew was coming, but it's never something I intentionally processed. Is like this is a great thing about sports. Is like I get to go have bonding time with my son on a golf course or right. anything like that, and that's something that I'm really excited about. That's like a really meaningful portion of sports fandom and playing mm-hmm. playing sports. Mm. Alex, for the record, um, which team out of all you know the Cowboys, the Lakers, Virginia Tech, all those teams? Which one would you be the most excited to see win a championship? Yeah, that's easy. So okay. without a doubt, my, my ranking of sports team significance is easy, the Cowboys number one. The Cowboys, for some reason, I just latched onto early and went real deep with it. So mm. for the longest time, I've had the, almost to a, definitely to a fault struggle with Virginia Tech or with uh, Cowboys idolatry and just googling them or like looking up blogs daily or you know looking into that kind of stuff way too much through through high school college up until now um and so I've been able to kind of transition that into more of a healthy phase and it started when I took our family when my three-year-old was a six-month-old we took a vacation to go see a Cowboys game in uh in Texas and spent a ton of money, obviously, to buy flights to go to the game. Right. And it was against the Panthers on Thanksgiving Day, so we missed Thanksgiving with our extended oh, family. I that game. Yeah. And uh, we got demolished. Romo, broke, you know, fractured his uh, collarbone again. Um, oh, so yeah. that was actually his last game as a starter. Little did we know that at the time. That ended oh, up being his last that. game yeah. as a starter because he came out, and then Dak eventually takes over later. Um, and then was that, that, was, that he retired after that year, he, right? He, he, re, he came back for the next year, and then that's when Dak came in because he hurt his collarbone again in the preseason against the Seahawks later. Oh, okay. So he never started another regular season game after that one. Hmm. But we got demolished. We didn't score a touchdown until there was like two minutes left in the game in garbage time. And I remember I met a friend who came with us, with me, my wife, and my son to the game, and we went to dinner afterwards, and they had a great time, and I'm just sitting there like, man, this stinks. And they're like, no, it's still good. We got to go see the stadium. I was like, no, like, this was such a waste. Like, I was just so like, and they were trying to redeem it, and I'm sitting there like just raining on their parade. And ever since that moment, it just kind of reset me of like, what am I doing here? Like, 
granted we had a great vacation and things around it were great, but like that impacted me so heavily that I was like, I don't want to be that guy that can't like deal with losses like in a, a sports world that I can't control. So ever since then, I've tried to keep it at a high priority, like a, a pri- not a priority, like a high excitement level mm. and a, a high hobby, but not like to a level that's unhealthy. Right. And obviously having a family has helped that some, but still just keeping it in the correct bucket of my life where I can still mm. like be intense and enjoy it a lot and still, you know, go all out, but not go overboard with it. That it, like um, takes away from like your life, yeah. Like after the fact, yeah. if you don't do as well, because in the end, thirty-one teams end up losing, right? So the more than likely, or however, whatever, mm. pick your sport, but majority of the teams are going to end up losing. There's only one champion every year, so the odds right. of you being unhappy at the end of the year, ending on a loss, are high. So if you can't, if you're at an unhealthy level, you're going to be in a tough spot for the off season and right. majority of your time, you're just going to be waiting for the next season. I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be able to enjoy kind of the ride along the way of each game, the highs and the lows more than I previously had been able to. Right. Yeah. The funny thing about that game is I always, um, I mean, that's probably the team I cheer for the, the most in the NFL is the Panthers. I'm probably more of a college football guy, but the funny thing about this, that's those are the color uniforms. And for the Panthers, they were the all teal. And the funny part to me was that they were like fully sweaty before they even started the game. I remember Luke Keekley was just like drenched in sweat and you could see it on national TV. And you're like, well, all right, here we go. <laughs> so <laughs> the we, first we color, remember that game a little differently. The but. first color rush game they did, I don't know if that's a color rush game, but the first color rush game they did with the NFL and NFL Network was the Thursday night games they do the color rush mm-hmm. where they put the whole team in one color. Right. They did that. I think it was Jets, Bills. And they did green and red, and then all the colorblind people complained because they couldn't tell who was what on the field. That's amazing. And so ever since then, the NFL has had to figure out ways to ID the the teams during the color rush games to so colorblind people, especially red green colorblind, which is very common. Well, that's like the most common. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, that's yeah. Like... No one thought of it until the game aired, and then like all the colorblind people complained because they couldn't tell who was on which team. <laughs> that's like sad and amazing at the same time. Man. All right. Well, um, so that's a little background for Alex. And so this will be fun. We're going to hopefully get to have him on more. But what we really want to jump into was we're kind of we've kind of been in in a stage of kind of postseason for a while. I feel like like because, well, for me, baseball is like October and then you have college football. Yep. You know, yeah, we're at the height right now. We're at the height of like playoffs. And then you have NFL. Was finishing up, and then NBA will quickly turn into that as well. Yeah, this is and an exciting time. So of the it's year. a very exciting time of the year, and so it got us thinking of um, there's, and especially this year, I feel like even more so with college football. There's been a lot of talk of expanding the playoff, um, or at least what that would have looked like. And so, um, and on the website, we um, dove into that. And so, if you haven't checked out that article, go check that out. We kind of dove into what that could have looked like, um, but it got us thinking of. Um, looking at all the different um, major sports and seeing if they um, just kind of talking about them and kind of ranking what we think are um, the top ones or what we would do to improve. And so Alex is um, going to give us his uh, top worst and top best um, takes on sports um, playoffs formats. And then we're going to kind of walk through and see 
um, what he has. So, Alex, um, do you want to start with top worst or top best? Let's start with top best. Top best. Okay. Start, start, start positive. Start positive. Okay. Before I lay it on. Before we start breaking <laughs> everybody's, everybody's stuff down. Okay. So, um, so I'll, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah. So my want? top number one playoff format would have to be for me, and I think that. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think a widely acknowledged great playoff format is March Madness. Mm. Because March Madness, there's there's things to be talked about within it, but for the most part, March Madness has got to be one of the most exciting tournaments because you have so many teams at the beginning mm-hmm. that all qualified. Like it keeps the regular season, if you will, call it you know whatever you want, but it keeps the regular season interesting enough where it's like. We need to win these games so it keeps it's not, you know, meaningless the regular season. It's it's meaningful enough where you have to win enough games to get into the tournament. It's difficult enough to get into the tournament. They even have it where the lower conferences can get one team in. So every bas- college basketball team around the country is excited about the idea of just getting in. Right, like the whole week before is you're seeing ends of tournaments of like yes. these lower conferences. And, and like, they're going nuts. Right, for getting to make yep. it. So they're really excited to be able to make it in. So it's not something like the NBA where you have a tendency to be like, oh, well, a lot of these guys get in and the regular season doesn't matter. They take some plays off. Like In college basketball, at least, it's to the point where these guys are viewing every game as bearing weight on whether or not mm-hmm. they get in or even their seeding. They view it as, as important, the players and the coaches mm-hmm. and the teams do. So the regular season stays exciting enough where the playoffs don't draw away from that like it does with the NBA. Um, but there's still a lot of teams in it. So you still have lots of schools that are paying attention, lots of you know, girls and people who don't watch sports as often, boys or girls, that care about it. When UMBC wins, suddenly there's tons of UMBC fans coming out of the woodwork that love basketball. or you know, It, it draws new fans in mm-hmm. that other playoff formats don't which I think is really cool. It also provides opportunity for huge upsets that are Cinderella teams. You know, we've seen that pretty frequently lately with a lot of teams making late runs or crazy upsets. Um, and it still bears awesome weight of the high matchups. In like even some of the earlier rounds, you'll get a one seed versus an eight seed or, you know, the third round especially, you start getting into great matchups where you're – they're really high-quality opponents going at each other mm-hmm. pretty quickly, just a game or two into this playoffs. You're not having to wait for, like, again, the NBA. You're playing a one-seed and eight-seed. They have to play, like, at least four games before you get on to the better matchups. Right. This goes pretty quick right into the higher matchups. And it's just it's just classic. There's no arguing about who was the best team at the end or should this team or that team have gotten in. That's always a conversation. But at the end of the day, no one's arguing that the 69th team that didn't get in would have won the championship. That's pretty distinct. You know, people aren't arguing about that. They're just arguing, oh, they should have had a chance to get in the tournament. It's clear at the end this team that was a champion is the best team in college basketball or was during the tournament. Right. They made the best run during that time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessary to have added four more teams. You know, they went from 64. They had to play in games now. That's not necessary. And was just kind of silly, in my opinion. But it doesn't take away either. No, I'm not like up in arms about it. I don't really care. I just don't really watch the playing games. I know. The only thing with that is that's funny because I also grew up a, um, a VCU fan because yep. I used to be in Vir- Virginia, and so Me too. going yeah. to the go to the Single Center, and so I used to watch them. So they were the you know then the of course they're the team that made the they made that yes. first four, and then they were the team that went first four to final four. That's true. Um, which was a huge. Um, 
success story. So that's true. But that is like the one, maybe like the one, maybe Syracuse. That's a valid argument. Maybe Syracuse. I want to say they made a deep run before. They I don't know if they, yeah, they made a deeper run. They, they might've made the final four they actually. Made the final four? Yep. I want to they say might was, have. they were one of those teams that also yep. made it as well. I think they did that year. Um, I, I also love the aspect that the tournaments are held in different cities Yes. Th- around the country each year. We had it here in Greenville like two, three years ago Yeah, I've for various it. reasons. And like that's awesome that it gets to travel around and different fan bases from all around the country get to go. And it's not just in one location or in the same location each year mm-hmm. or even in the home city. I love that it's moved around. I think that's a huge aspect and benefit of March Madness is you can go to it or you can at least go to the earlier rounds somewhere near you more than likely year after year. Mm-hmm. So that's my number one. You agree with my number one? Hmm. It's definitely, um, definitely compelling. I would say it arguably has the biggest um, stranglehold on our attention. Yes. As fans, and I would say even like the more common family. Yeah, that's true. I didn't bring up the bracketology. The I was gonna say because like my family will always do one, or like I know a family is aware people who don't watch as much and they do really well, or everyone has a vested interest. Yes. In the game, it's very easy to fill out a bracket, and you can become a part of it, and you can cheer for teams, you know, say you have a team like a Purdue, who is usually a good team, but you don't have a vested interest in that team, but then you have them going to the Elite Eight, so you really need them to beat very true. Iowa State. Yep. We, you know, and you just get a vested, because you don't want to lose yep. to your brother, to like, you know, because yep. then he'll, you know, it's just that kind of stuff, and I think it makes it really fun. Um I agree. My wife and I have a bet every year. We do a bracket against each other, and the winner, uh, the winner and the both of us, winner and loser, both of us go out to dinner at a Japanese steakhouse because we love Japanese steakhouses and we never go. And the winner gets to order steak, and the loser gets has to order chicken. And the winner is not allowed to give the loser any of that steak. So the loser just watches the winner eat steak, eat steak in front of them while they're eating chicken at a Japanese steakhouse. Yes. And it's Man. pretty much the only time we go each year. So it's like, this is your chance to get your steak at the Japanese steakhouse. Right. So it's, it's pretty big odds for us. So okay. that's a good example of my wife really cares about March Madness <laughs> when it comes around because she knows it's an exciting opportunity for her to eat yeah. steak. And it's kind of like you're gloating, too, because you're getting to eat steak in front of them. Right, right. So it's definitely a huge benefit to, and, to win. And I love the beauty of it, too, is that you can spend a lot of time on this. And then there's also people I know who do not spend any time on this, yep. who for a fact vote on teams based on colors and yep. mascots, and they will do better than the other teams. It's just because of the way it rolls. or yep. It's because some years it's, there's a lot of upsets, and then you get too upset heavy, and then the, it's the year that all the top seeds just kind of fall through. And yep. so you can really try to know, but the, I think that's the beauty of it. It's like a three, four-week period where it really is madness and it gets people excited. Yep. It's probably my favorite sports watching experience is that Thursday, Friday. I always take off that Friday, mm-hmm. take off work that Friday, stay up late watching the games Thursday and then watch them all on Friday. And I'm that guy who takes like eight hours to fill out a bracket. I'll look up all these websites, data. Mm-hmm. I go to KenPalm.com, huge plug for him. He does a fantastic job of statistical analysis mm-hmm. on the odds of each team making it. Mm-hmm. And so I'll break it down forever. I love doing that every year. And then my wife obviously doesn't quite do the same amount of research. She'll do some, but she doesn't do eight hours worth. Most people don't. Right. But you have the whole gambit, and then there's years where she'll beat me, and it's like, wow. like Yeah, and you have to sit there yeah. eating your chicken That's why and I, watching her, yeah. and you're like, I spent eight <laughs> hours on this, and I'm still eating chicken. Exactly. Um, also, this is a random fun fact that I've heard from multiple people. 
but it's actually that that Thursday through the weekend of the first round is um, the most uh, recorded uh, vasectomy surgeries, actually, <laughs> because you have to just sit there. And so what guys will do is if they're having to go through with that, they will sit on the couch and rest <laughs> and watch basketball from Thursday through Sounds like a Sunday. great idea to me. Right. I mean, if you're going to have to do that, <laughs> I mean, why not get to watch hours and hours of basketball? And you're like, I, I have to be here. I can't go anywhere. So... The amount of money they say is lost at work productivity because of March Madness is extremely high as well. I've looked it up before. I don't have the number in front of me, but it's millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And maybe, if not like a billion dollars, that's lost in productivity hours where people are watching March Madness while at work or filling out brackets while at work and not working. Mm. So you almost could argue that maybe that, maybe, maybe just say that Thursday, Friday, and maybe... Super Bowl, the day after the Super Bowl Monday, is arguable that you might just need to, I don't say national holiday, but a lot of businesses should consider just giving the day off. They should consider it. Just Without because a doubt. It, there's, there's just going to be nothing that's going to happen. Without a doubt. I remember, I mean, the day after watching the Clemson-Alabama game. Those games were on so late, by the way. It was just like, I don't know. It was yes. kind of like, might as well just not. I mean, and maybe that's just me because I was personally in it. But after that type of game, it's just like, one way or the but other. But the problem is that there's different parts of the country that care about different types of sports. Like sure. I used to live in New York. No one cared about, not no one, most people didn't care about college football compared right. to down here, especially we live in Clemson country and Clemson was in it. Right. So down here it should be a holiday. So maybe it's a statewide thing. It's Each state. state determines which sports okay. holidays they want on their calendar. Maybe that's you just need to um, write, write, write a letter to, yeah. your, to your congressman. <laughs> And I then, would be all on board and, and for that. Make, make a, make a I don't think I've that. ever written a letter to the congressman myself by hand. Maybe that would be my first. Yeah. So I, I think Mar- Marsh Madness is up there. It's hard to. It's hard when you go right away. Well, let me keep going. Let me keep. Yeah. Going. Let's, let's keep going. I. I it's it's right. like a strong case. All right. What's number two? So number two and three, I had interchangeably, but because I couldn't pick one, but I'm gonna go ahead and pick one now. I'm gonna go ahead and say, just coming off the high of what we just experienced this past weekend, the NFL's got to be up there. Okay. So the NFL, I think, is, again, similar to what I was saying with March Madness. It keeps the regular season really interesting to the mm-hmm. point where every game really matters. But it's not to the point of college football, whereas if you lose one game, you're out, or two games, you're out. Like, you still have a chance with the Cowboys this year. We started 3-5, and five, right? And right. everything looked done. If that was college football, we would have been done, obviously. Right. But with the NFL, we still had a chance to come back, but every game still carries so much weight. And the playoff system is just really exciting. We, you see awesome matchups. You see a good mix of upsets and non-upsets. You see quality teams. And obviously the Super Bowl is the highest rated game in the entire um, you know, sports world. I think every year it's like one of the top. It's, like it's the number one, yeah. I think, program, period, watched. Yeah. Um, I do have an idea of how to improve the NFL playoffs. Okay. What if the number one seed, you know, they have the, the bye, the, the first round, the number right, one seed, right. number two, one and two seeds. What if the number one and two seeds, the, no, just the number one seed, we get to do it. Just the number one seed, the coach, after the first round is, is played, they hold a press conference and they choose their opponent. So it's not the lowest remaining seed because sometimes the lowest remaining seed is not the worst team out there they might be the hottest team or they might have played a really tough conference yeah we had like the chargers who were the five seed but really it's because they were 
set, like second in their exactly division. yeah. So what if you just had Bill Belichick hold a, or whoever holds a press conference the day the morning after mm-hmm. those games are completed, and they hold up a card or whatever you know because drama is what people love. Right. That's why the NBA is getting popular right now is because of all the drama. Mm-hmm. Drama and excitement is what we want. We want it. To, we want to talk about it at work. Who would you pick? Can you believe they picked them? And then that team that gets picked is going to be like, hey, we just got picked as being the worst team left. Let's go show them that we are not who they think we are. Okay. And that would also be an advantage to the number one C because then the number one C gets to choose their matchup. They get to choose maybe there's been an injury or something. Uh-huh. They get to choose because they deserve that. They deserve to play the worst team left. Right. And and, and you're excluding basically so if it, so even so you're even saying they could pick the two seed if they really yeah. wanted to. Uh, or are you, are, I would are, are, say are you excluding them. I would exclude the two seed because they would be the other. Yeah, home. they would get whoever was left. Because we're talking about after the wild card weekend, exactly. those games are already played, and you're talking about in the divisional round when exactly. these, these two teams would play. So you would basically p- be picking between the winners, of the winners of the wild card the weekend. Wild card weekend. Yes. Okay. I think that idea is golden. The NFL is never doing it. It's probably not going. Never going to happen. People, I don't know if people are going to like like that as much because it like for some reason like the picking might feel weird that's um, why it's exciting but it would definitely be exciting it's not like we've started picking wrong. already right with the nba all-star game we went to that last year and that was a huge success you pick two captains and the captains pick their teams it's no longer east and west playing each other it right. was lebron and steph and then yeah. they picked their teams just like you do in the backyard so we already started to go towards this and people loved it so i don't see why we can't just go to that now mm. It is a cool thought. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think that could be it. Could be really cool. Um, how do you feel about? So, do you feel like you would you would keep the buys? Keep it six and six. Yeah. Do you like the way it is? Yeah, I like the way it is. I don't think it needs to be expanded. I would just give the number one seed the option of choosing the team they want to play in the in the second round after the wild card round. Okay. Yeah, because I was even thinking about this. Of like, I don't love the buy. I don't love that setup. I feel like it, it's a weird, um, and I guess it's just how you take advantage of it. Um, because then you have these lower seeds who they can get a lot of momentum because they have to keep playing every week, and it throws off the, the one seed. But then if you handle it well, you can still be okay. Yeah, so but, I looked at the data on that this past week, and the, every year there's been at least, except for this year now, there's two number two seeds. But almost every year out of the past like six years, it's been one and two seeds playing each other in the Super Bowl. Okay. It's for like five, six years in a row. There was a period prior to that, if I'm remembering correctly, where there were some lower seeds that were got hot late mm-hmm. and upset some teams. Um, but it's the data now really strongly seems to indicate, and you see that with the odds makers too, is the home teams that got the buy rest that are at, coming off at home, they get mm-hmm. they're favored in those games and they have a tendency to win those games. So the rest does seem to help lately, but it's always been the big debate is, would you rather be fresh or rested? You know, you can go on on that forever. But the data lately does strongly seem to indicate, okay, you got weeks to prepare now. Mm-hmm. You got you can throw more stuff in the playbook. You guys are getting healthier. I mean, there is something to be said for rest after a 16-game football season. Not having to play. Yeah. Game. It's not like you're off for weeks and weeks. You're just off. I mean, two weeks is 13, 14 days is not a long amount of time to sit around and you're practicing during that time anyways. Right. And, um, I guess, and there's less on film to pick up. I mean, there's right. a lot of advantages to it. So I'm more in the line of let's let's get that rest and get that by. 
and it makes it so that I'd like the buy also because it keeps the teams that are at the top playing longer. So if you knew you were in the playoffs, you'd rest your quarterback starting like week 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Whereas now these top teams, they're continuing to play through week 16 and sometimes even 17 to get that buy that they really, really want. So right. it keeps fantasy football relevant. If you if you took away the bye, suddenly you're going to have Tom Brady sitting the last four or five weeks of the season potentially, and fantasy football is blown because that's when the playoffs are. So even from that reason alone, I would like to keep that bye in there. Yeah. And also, you, I mean, and when, when you start adding more teams, then you get into like half the league would make the playoffs. Yes. And, and I think you, there is a point of um, diminished return. I think yeah. you can even argue that with the NBA is starting yeah. to where when you have more teams or you start having teams with a losing or just a 500 record make the playoffs, then I think you also can limit the quality yeah. of what's of what because you do want to reward the team the bet you want the best teams. Yeah. Ideally, you want the two best teams to at least have the opportunity to get the play. Yes. And then, um, so yeah. So that's my number two NFL. Yeah. Number three is the World Cup. And the World Cup is hard to argue with because, um, like we talked about earlier um, before we started recording, that there is a what two year process to get into the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, it like starts to qualify. Yeah. yeah, so everyone has a chance. There's matches that go on for two years to get ready for it. You know, like the U.S. this past year didn't even qualify for it, which was a whole another yeah. conversation of why they didn't. Make. They. But that's pretty cool that you have this whole, like, you have excitement, you know, for people who really follow soccer closely. They're paying attention to that for two years, getting ready for it, the anticipation, then you finally make it. That's an exciting of itself, just setting the the pool. And then I like the way that they have the pools. I think that's pretty smartly done because it's difficult to do it any other way in the way Mm -hmm. soccer works to me. I'm sure there's other ideas out there, but to me, the way they have it now where you set off in the first section in the pool play – you have like four teams, and then you get points for wins, losses, ties, and you advance and right. goal differential. You, you, play, like, you play everybody once. Yeah, everyone's guaranteed three games. Um, so everyone gets the same opportunity. Like everyone gets the same opportunity. Yep. You know, yep. and and there is there is always a pool that's a little bit tougher than everybody else. Right. To but, be expected. I mean, that's true in any tournament. Right. right? You it's, draw a tough matchup, and you know, tennis, really, in anything. That, but the that's argu- true. yeah, the argument is if you make it through, then you're gonna have. An easier time once you yep. make it through, yep. um, and then and I'm I'm also pretty sure too that uh, they kind of weight it a little bit. Yes, they do. So so that the top teams, you're not basically you're not so you're not going to stack. Yeah, all they, of your they top. attempt. Yeah, they attempt to seed it based off of the pool play or mm-hmm. based off of the two year um, mm-hmm. preparation and qualifying matches. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're not going to put Germany and Argentina and Brazil all in the same um, pool. So I like the way that the World Cup does that, and I like the way the number of, of um, the number of matches they have is, I think, really just a perfect number where everyone is so heavy, but there's still enough there where the tournament doesn't feel like it's dragged on at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, it's just got the entire world paying attention to it for, which is really impressive. Whereas a lot of these other sports, obviously, are more just to America. I mean, it's really cool that all these different cultures and opinions on the way things are done seem to get on board with the idea of how the World Cup is held. Um, So I like the World Cup. I think it's a cool, like, spinoff of a similar format to March Madness where it's a bracket, you know, Uh bracketized kind of, you know, let's get down in process of elimination to the last two. 
but it's seated a little bit differently based on pools. I think that's very creative and um, and mm-hmm. smart and just exciting. I mean, yeah. that's ultimately what we're judging is like I'm judging off of is is it exciting mm-hmm. and entertaining, and is it fair and like not too watered down like you were saying diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. I think the World Cup fits all those. Yeah, the only um, if we're also putting in some changes, I've, I've had a thought with that for sure. Um, the only thing with the World Cup, I think what makes it hard is that there's so much um, with so much money being pushed in with people trying to host it that I'm actually you do actually start to wonder if like it's how much is actually worth for a country to host right because say for example Brazil hosted not this past one but the one before I think in 2014 and they built all these stadiums they actually tore down some of the some rainforest but they built these stadiums they hosted probably like four or five games and then they don't use them ever again and then you know, FIFA comes in and kind of like says the way that they want things to be done. And then the stadiums just kind of get left the way they are. The country like doesn't actually get to reap in as much of the benefits as you might think. Um, John Oliver on last week tonight, a couple years ago, did a really cool in-depth analysis of before um, Brazil, kind of breaking that down. Um, So my suggestion would be to either pick a central location and basically, like, with college baseball, make that right. the home base. Like, they go to Omaha, Nebraska every year. Yep. So you still have the same format, but you still go to, you go to a place where they already have a bunch of these stadiums. Or, which is more likely, is that to make a rotation. And they do, like, select cities. But I think it's making the selections of, like, okay, it's going to be in these. Yeah, so you get to reuse it. Right, because like yep. that's the beauty with the U.S. It's like, yes, it's not as big of a... Of a um, soccer country but it's growing but they already have all these stadiums in place that can hold the facilities and go from there I think they even won yeah they're hosting in Atlanta yeah yeah Atlanta got to um, to have some um, and then you you could have a European one you could have an African one and you could have a South American one like you could that's a good idea and just rotate it you could just rotate it and then at least it lets those countries have a host every 16 years or something like that. I think because what's starting to happen is that when you have less of these like bigger countries that very much want to participate, but they don't want to kind of foot the bill or get the... Yeah, um, have an indie stadium. Right. Or like you have um, Qatar coming up in 2020 where it's actually too hot to host the World Cup during the summer like normally. It's like 122 degrees. And so they're actually trying to switch it to December, but for many of these um, national... um, leagues that's the right in the middle of their season with these clubs so there's a big fight with that they're also like bringing in workers that are actually like workers dying as they're trying to build these like Hmm. facilities so there's a lot of stuff with that so that would be my thing is just maybe just have a rotation system of just the way you host it very interesting i like that idea yeah yeah, the, and that's true with Olympic stadiums and stuff too. They'll get deserted and left yeah, behind. Yeah, they're having similar problems. Yeah. I'd almost, I would almost wonder if you could kind of coordinate the two of them. Right, you actually might need to just start doing. And they did that some with Brazil, right? Because they had the World some, Cup and the Olympics. Yeah, there. I would assume. I don't know. It's not, I don't know if it's directly correlated, but I do definitely think that is part. Maybe some of the same facilities, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think that's part of some of these countries. Um, especially when they're trying to host for the first time. Like yeah. they're like pushed is like we will host both of these and 
Um, I know so. when I was in Greece, the Olympic Stadium there is now a refugee camp. So all the refugees stay in the infield of the baseball stadium, and then they use the restrooms and the facilities in the in the dugout behind the dugout. Well, that's so something. you have to come up with some way to reuse it. I guess well, that's at least, one. At least they're reusing. At least they're it. using it. Yeah. All right. Um, we can go through some of these middle ones a little bit faster, I think, because mm-hmm. I don't have as much to say sure, about them since sure. they're kind of not horrible but not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the NHL and NBA are next on my list. So the NHL, I think just playoff hockey is exciting. I'm not even a hockey guy, but playoff hockey just has a different level to it of yeah. excitement, energy, mm-hmm. um, buzz, um, one thing that I like and don't like, I guess I more like, is that number like the eight seeds will sometimes go really far in the tournament, potentially even win it. Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool um, to a certain extent to keep a lot of different fan bases engaged. It's not top heavy, you know. You could argue if that's beneficial or not, um, but I do like that aspect of it, and I think it's just the classic kind of same format that the NBA has are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, with the NBA and NHL kind of fitting, I'll talk to them at the same time. With the NBA, I think that the there's a lot of talk about the playoff system now. And I, I have a couple ideas with, with the NBA playoffs. Right now, the, the format is, you know, the eight teams from the West play the top eight teams from the East. And I think that that, you know, has worked well for a long time. But now there's so many West-heavy teams you know, the West is so top-heavy and the East isn't able to keep up with it that the eight seed from the East compared to the eight seed from the West isn't even close. I think they're leaving out, like, three or four, like, winning record teams in yeah. the West now. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, and the NBA seems to be talking about this and going to be changing something potentially in the next couple of years, hopefully. But um, there's a bunch of different ideas how to do it, but they just need to do something because you're missing out on some really good teams from making it and you're having a lot of – um, the less lower market teams that aren't that exciting to watch making it. So one idea is that the division bring back kind of the divisions a little bit. Mm-hmm. So right now the divisions don't matter at all. So like the Lakers were in with the Clippers and the, you know, I don't care if the Clippers win or lose as much as anyone else in the West, because there's no, it's not like the NFL where the division winner gets an automatic bid. Or, there's no actual special yeah, difference. for. Yeah, there's literally no difference. I don't even think they play each other more often. Um, so if they do, it's very rare at least, um, or not that, not that different in terms of scheduling. So I would change that. I would schedule more conference, more division games rather. So your, your division opponents, you would play them more often to make it more engaging, Mm -hmm. more exciting. Just like the NFL, you play your division opponents twice where you just play other people just once. And then I would say that if you win your division, you get a top three seed in the playoffs. So those are the top seeds, similar to the NFL format. Mm-hmm. So if you win your division, that's significant now. So now suddenly I'm not just tracking the Lakers and how they're doing. I'm tracking other teams within my uh, division, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I love about the NFL is with the Cowboys, I'm tracking the Eagles, the Redskins. I'm tracking and seeing – I'm cheering for them to lose when they're on TV. Um, so it gains more excitement and passion for NBA fans when to cross over into other NBA teams. Potentially they don't even have a superstar. So you're suddenly I'm gonna be watching like you know random teams play each other that just matters because I need want my team to get a top three seed in the playoffs. Right. I think that would be really cool, um, and they could potentially even shuffle around who's in what division if that doesn't you know work locationally or regionally. Um, but for the most part, they already kind of have it set up pretty well. Um, 
And then after that, just rank them 1 to 16. So there wouldn't be an east-west, kind of like the top five remaining from the east, top five from the west. It would just be, all right, everyone else is a, quote, I guess, wild card or whatever you want to call it. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the east or the west. The east and the west suddenly doesn't matter. It's just based off your division. Mm-hmm. And then at the top remaining uh, records after that, make it in the playoffs. I don't mind having, what, half the teams in the NBA make it now. I don't mind that as much as I do because there's a lot of good teams in the NBA now that have, you know, it's not way too top-heavy besides the Warriors where, you know, you know that these games are meaningless. They're exciting games to watch. Mm-hmm. The one seed versus the eight seed are still, not always, but it can, can be exciting, especially 2-7 and 3-6. So I don't mind having half the team making the playoffs. I don't think if they were to reduce it down to maybe six and you know six and six, or I guess in this case I'm combining them, so it'd be you know twelve or fourteen teams or something like that. I don't mind them reducing it a little bit. I don't have argument against that, but I also don't mind the way it is now having half the league make it as long as they kind of reevaluate who makes it. Yeah. So with so with that system, so you're saying that with the division winners getting the automatic bid um, and then combining them, which I also, I can very much see, I, I would support just making it one through 16. If you're going to do that, you might as well basically, because arguably last year, the best two teams were the Rockets and the Warriors. So the conference semifinals in the West was arguably like, that was it. Yes. You know, and the Cavs were a good team, but you wouldn't have said that those were probably the best two teams last year. Right. And so with that, you're saying that the division winners, so this, there's three divisions in each, each conference, right? Correct. So you're saying those six would then be ranked one through six, and they would have the top six seeds. True, yes. And then the rest, yeah, would, right. just, would, the rest would just be like just the best. Exactly. Just the best team. Yeah, like, you're right. Would, would you have like still pick like five from the West and no. five from the, You would just do the rest of the yep. – top best teams yeah because otherwise that doesn't fix the problem of getting the best teams in the playoffs you know Mm -hmm. that they currently have they're missing out on some of the better teams making it in and some of the worst teams so you have to combine it so it's not based on conference anymore okay and i think that the nba is not going to do exactly what i said but i bet they do something similar where they at least combine it and just make it the best 16 teams yeah Um, because they can't use the argument anymore of that it's too much traveling Right. Because they all have their own charter plane, yep. and they, they make the schedule longer. Yeah, and they have to travel so much anyways. And like I said, if you potentially I could reduce the amount of travel with this format because you're playing more of your conference opponents, right? So the Lakers would be playing the Clippers, the Warriors, the Kings. I mean, all those are in California. So you're suddenly, taking a, you're, you're suddenly able to play them a little bit more often, mm-hmm. so you're traveling less. Um, I would not increase or decrease the number of games. I mean... Yeah, that's kind of separate from the playoff conversation we're is, having. But that is a decent little conference uh, division right there. Yeah, so I mean they have it kind of set up like that already. Um, yeah, like East Coast West Coast teams. So that's my idea for making the NBA playoffs better. That being said, I love the NBA and I love the NBA playoffs. Um, they're a little bit long, but if you love basketball, then it's kind of exciting because you get to watch lots of games. There are lots of games. Yeah, that's <laughs> that that I would. I think it, it's one of the um, – people definitely stay in tune with the basketball playoffs. Yes. And I would say the finals is probably the best – like, people stay in tune with the finals series. Yes. For sure. I will say that that is the big um, knock against both the NBA and NHL is that you have an 80-something game season to then have two months of yes. playoffs. 
So it's just a very long season, and for your players, it just makes it hard. Yes. So that's actually what makes the what LeBron has done yep. making the finals every year. Because yeah, then he's played like two extra seasons or something ridiculous something in playoff crazy. games. Yeah, and so, I think we don't even <clears throat> fully can understand how much that actually is. Yep. Yeah. So I. I think that that feeds into my next one on my rankings. So we're starting to get down to the bottom four here. Okay. So the next one on my rankings, continuing you know to get worse and worse here, would be the MLB. So my personal beef with the MLB playoffs is you play such a long season, mm-hmm. seemingly all year, <clears throat> and then your first series is a five-game series. Oh, actually – well, the first series, yeah. The first right. series. Not first the series. not the rest. The first series is a five-game series. The mm-hmm. NBA used to have that. I remember growing up, the first series used to be a five-game series, and I think an eight-seed upset a one-seed or something. Yeah, yeah. And and then they're like, oh, crap, let's change this to a seven-game mm-hmm. series so this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And I hate like that the MLB, it's like, wow, you play so many regular season games. Right. And then suddenly you have two bad pitching nights or whatever it is. You lose two games in a row, and the odds of you – advancing in the playoffs are suddenly pretty much gone right the odds of you winning three in a row are so low in baseball mm-hmm. it's ha- it happens obviously but it's it's doesn't seem right to me it seems disproportionate that you play that many seemingly mm-hmm. meaningless regular season games and then suddenly those games are so heavy and weighted mm-hmm. and with the disparity that can happen in baseball it seems un- unfair to have the five se- five game series then if you're yeah. trying to cut off time, if you're worried that the MLB season's too long, you're already there at this point. You might as well add on one or two more games to make it a seven-game series instead of a five-game series yeah, I, in that first round. I agree. Um, I think I think it's kind of silly. But even like to even go further, they've actually recently, a few years ago, they added the second wild card. Because yeah. what they were doing is each um, league would have their three division winners, and then they had a wild card to make it four and eight which I thought that was a really good system. But then MLB was trying to help with ratings and make the regular season a little bit more exciting and teams getting in. They added another wild card in each league. So you play 162 games and say you make this wild card and you play one game. Yes. And I think it's the silliest thing. I don't like it. I think it's very exciting, but it doesn't at all reflect what baseball is supposed to be about. No, it's almost just like an overtime like right. it's almost like, hey, we're we're out of time. You guys are evenly matched. We got to end this thing somehow, quickly. Right. So let's throw in just a winner take all game. It's almost mm-hmm. seems like a little gimmicky. It does it's like feel that we don't way. know what to do here. We want to add this in, so this is the only way we can figure out how to do it. Our season's already too long. Um, I'm not a baseball guy, so I have a long list of things to change in baseball. But one of them would definitely be the playoff format. If you're going to have such a long regular season, at least take a chunk out of the regular season and convert them into playoff games or something if you're worried about the season being even longer. Right. But at that point, it seems like it just seems silly because the playoffs is what matters, obviously. Right. Um, maybe not to some of the owners. You know, they want the revenue from the regular season. Mm-hmm. But in the real, when it comes to the fans and teams and players and coaches, that's what matters is the playoffs. So they've got to do something to make it more more comparable to the length of right. their season. And I think that that's the hard part with baseball is obviously it's a long season. Um, but part of it, is, it was designed that way. And I think they actually had a really hard time when they extended it to 162 games because of baseball is such a big stats-driven sport. 
it's probably actually, I would argue, the most yep, statues. Number one, it's got to be. Um, with records, with comparing people from the past, yep. um, with Hall of Fame, with all that stuff, um, and with baseball purists, the people who... Uh, so baseball is becoming now more... Instead of a, I mean, it's a national pastime because it's been like around the longest. But I would argue it's it's definitely becoming more regionalized, and you have your people who really love it. And so, when if you if you start reducing games or, or fixing that too much, you're actually kind of changing the game on people. And I would say you don't want to also marginalize yes the market that you have left. Yeah, arguably. So I would definitely say the that's where it gets tricky. Yes. And so, if it was me, I would just get rid of. The wild. Either you have to get make that like a three game series. If you, what's two extra games? Yeah, that happens. Or just get rid of that. Make the other round seven, and then just go from there. Yeah, like a five game. It just it does have this weird. Um, I like the idea of adding two more teams because they're tr- since the regular season so long. There's such a big chunk of teams that know they're not going to make it for such a long amount of time. They want to sure. keep them interested longer. So I like that idea. But having the one game. You work, you know, you're having all these games, and then suddenly it just comes down to one game. For baseball, that just doesn't work like it does for football, where you can just play one game and figure out who's better. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next. Yeah. Let's all go. right, so we're down to my last three. So, college football is on my list right now. So, granted, the college football playoff system, I have a couple ideas for, but I don't hate it. What I what I have a problem with is the bowl games. The bowl games to me have gotten, have always been kind of ridiculous to the point where there's so many bowls and all you have to do is be 500 to make one. Even sometimes less than 500. Imagine me trying to explain to my three-year-old son like what a bowl game is and how they work and like that some of them are better than others and then some of them are actually part of a playoff system and then others aren't. Mm-hmm. Like, it's obviously about money, as a lot of things are, and so I understand that, but I still hold that against it on my rankings. I understand why it is the way it is. doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. So, like, literally, how many bowl games are there? I mean, goodness. I don't even know. I want to say, like, 40? Yeah. There's 30 or 40. There's a lot. Yeah. And let's just put it that way. I mean, basically, if you have six wins, you're going to a bowl game. Yes. Which is, like... Over half the teams. Yep. I mean, and then that's like I don't know. So something I would say probably say like forty. So it's not it's not the worst on my list. Like I don't hate bowl games. It just doesn't make sense to me, and it seems very random. Like it's just kind of like a weird way to end a season with mm-hmm. with like uh, you're six and six, so you're gonna play another team who's ten and two, and the bowl's called a tax slayer bowl, and yeah, it's played in like a random city. And it's just like this is seem seems like random. What what does this mean if we win? What does this mean if we lose? Like to me as a fan, it's exciting because I get to have another game. I love watching another game of football because the season's pretty short. But it just seems weird, and it's just it doesn't compare to uh, the college basketball playoffs, which is to me the exact opposite. It's like this is exciting and entertaining and engaging. Right. It has so many different storylines. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the tax slayer bowl, there's not any storyline coming out of that or any conversation at the office workplace about that bowl unless you're really into those two teams right and the conversation is actually becoming now of like top players not playing their college yes. bowl game that's actually like part yep. of the top and these top guys aren't playing big bowl games now um so just the whole system is is screwed up the college football playoff system everyone talks about all the time so i don't want to be labor the labor on that but my opinion would be to expand it to six or eight and potentially give the the first round by if you have six or mm-hmm. not if you have eight i think I think six would be engaging, and um, 
I don't think adding one more game for these guys is a huge deal. They're they're college students. They're they only you know like they're practicing twenty hours a week. Um, it's not it's not comparable to some of the you know it's not like a huge workload on them. So mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't mind adding one more round of games mm-hmm. and making it six or eight teams. I think I, I, that is what I would do because at this point calling it a playoff is kind of to me not fully true. It's almost just like a I don't know what a lesser word for a playoff is, but to me, a playoff is like got to have more than four teams in it. At this point, it's just kind of yeah. like we're playing each other, and like, it's a semifinal. and then yeah, yeah. It's, it's a semi, it's instantly a semifinal. Like playoffs to me has to be three mm. rounds or more. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair, and and that's and that's where you get the big back and forth of between people, and then and obviously this year is a little bit different because Clemson and Alabama felt like the two teams that were going to play anyway. Right. But I think that. I think you just need to pick a format and just kind of run with it. Um, and and the bowl game, but these other bowl games that I think are really good, and we've talked about um, before a little bit on the podcast, of just, like, the Rose Bowl is a very big game. And I think people... I think what's also hard is that the playoff system keeps changing, like, what day they're actually being played on. So it was weird this year because they played their two semifinals before the New Year's Day games. So it's like the Sugar Bowl of Georgia um, not showing up was like the big storyline. But then it's like that actually wasn't the semifinal. But if you're trying to explain that to somebody, it feels weird that you're not playing your semifinal games before your finals. Yes. It just has a weird sense to it. I I, agree with that. I would be okay if like knocking off a bunch of the bowl games. I would think if you cut the bowl games in half, maybe say you have to have eight wins or more. I think that's when you get some more quality teams or at least it's more competitive and I get like wanting to help student athletes and pay. it's just starting to get too watered down yeah but of course it's like with all this money they're not gonna it's hard for people to say let's take less money to have a better quality yes it's not usually what yeah, I mean for me I'm not saying I have a fix for the bowl problem I just saying I don't rank it in my top systems of playoffs yeah, yeah. That's fair. Granted that it's not technically part of the playoff system, but I still consider it like I think it an all, aspect because that's where it together. came from. Yeah. It came, like the playoff system came out of let's take two of the bowls and make them so the winners of those play each other in one more game. So it's to me the bowl games were always kind of part of the way it yeah. was. All right, last last two is golf is my second to worst. So I love golf. I'm a huge golf guy watching and playing. Um and the tour, the way that it works is there's a year-long race for the cup, the FedEx Cup. Mm-hmm. And so you get points based on your performance throughout the whole season. And the season starts in January. Okay. Um, and ends in, it's actually a wraparound season now, so I think it starts right after the championship in September. But um, most players actually start playing around now. But anyways, you get points based off of your your year-long performance. So if you play in a lot of tournaments, you have a lot of chances to gain points. If you do well in those tournaments, you gain even more points, obviously. Right. So it's not a bad idea. But that being said, the way it comes down in the end is you have your number one ranked player in the world. You have, like, your guy who's on the top of the money list. And then you have, like, your FedEx leader, points leader guy. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of times that guy's done really well in the year, and they, they rank it. They have, the way the points system works is pretty well calculated, I think, um, considering how many how you could have it too top-heavy if you come in first or second. It seems to usually get 10 of the better guys that played a lot of tournaments. Mm-hmm. But the, the part I don't like is the, the last 
golf match is the tour championship in Atlanta. And the winner of that tournament is sometimes not the guy who wins the the FedEx Cup. So, like, they had Xander Shoffley who won it, was it last, not last year, but the year before. Mm-hmm. He won the, you know, last, you know, hurrah, last tournament of the season. Only the top guys make it in, top 50 or 20, whatever it is, that so make it in. The last tournament where they select the best of the best. Yeah, the way the, the playoffs works at the end, they narrow down like 150, then 120, then 100, then 75, then 50. So each tournament has less and less players in it. Mm-hmm. But that guy who wins that last tournament isn't always the guy who wins the FedEx Cup. And the FedEx Cup's a big deal because you win $10 million for yeah. winning it, which is the biggest purse in golf. So that's because it's a t- season-long ranking. Um, so Xander won the, the tournament, but he didn't win the Cup. So there was two guys holding trophies at the end, one with the trophy of the tournament that he just won, and the other guy who came in second or third or fourth holding the one that's really worth $10 million at the end so it's just like a weird it's just a weird way to end the season and i've read articles that saying golf's recognize that and the pga and they're trying to change that and figure out a way to make it so that the guy who wins at the end maybe make it heavy weighted or something so it's way more likely that that guy wins but they don't know what to do because they want it to be season long you know a points schedule but make it so that there's not two winners on the last tournament this guy makes the winning putt and he loses the season-long yeah. tournament right that is, that is really weird and i feel like it does kind of take away some of the umph of like being like this is our champion because i think you want to be able to say like that's when we think about our sports you want to be able to say like this is our champion or this is the champion of like the masters right you know that's the beauty of with golf is you can go through like yeah this is our master like winning the green jacket and you can yep. go through and remember in your mind who won but with all these other sports, you know who the champion is. So that leads like, me right into my second point as to why I have it low ranked on my list is with, if you were to ask the guys on tour, would you rather win the Masters or the, be the champion, the, the, win the tour championship, win the FedEx Cup? Mm. They're going to tell you, I'd rather win the Masters. And that's where it gets weird is golf has and tennis have the four majors, right? And then golf tries to add in a, a playoff format that tennis doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and make it better. And the way they've done that is by throwing money at it. And that works to a certain extent. I mean, $10 million is a ton of money to win. Um, so the players really value that, obviously, because sure. everyone loves $10 million. That's a huge chunk of change. Biggest purse on tour. Mm-hmm. But still, they would rather most of these top guys that are winning these things aren't you know, strapped for cash. They're not worried about the $10 million as much as they are the prestige of winning the Masters and what comes with that or even the U.S. Open or any of those four majors. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird. Like, there's the four majors and then there's a championship, but really that's like the fifth thing that someone would want to win, in my opinion, behind the other four majors throughout the year. And that's what people are measured on, right? How many major championships did Jack win? Because back then they didn't have the playoffs. But I feel like, you know, 50 years from now we're going to be saying, how many FedEx Cups did so-and-so win versus the other person? It's going to be how many majors did they win? Yeah. Um, and whether that's right or wrong, that's just the way it's going to be. So that's why the the golf championship thing is just kind of weird because there's a lot of different factors about mm-hmm. – it's not, like you said, there's no clear-cut winner like at the end of March Madness or the World Cup or any of these. Yeah, and then just, just quickly a thought of like can they like – with this tournament, you still can pick the – you know, say you pick the top 20 players 
that have qualified for the FedEx Cup, can you like weight it to where you can handicap certain players? You know, say that if they want to, where they're finished in the standings, yeah. can, can you handicap, say, like, okay, That's this person, idea. is this person already six strokes ahead? This one's four, this one's two. I don't know. That'd be a great and, idea. And I mean, there's probably someone smarter than me to like be able to figure out how to weight that. But I feel at least it gives everybody the same opportunity to play in the game. But if you're it also, I feel like there should be a way to at least let people have the advantage of the regular season. Yes. You know, like, yes. You know, like Aurora McElroy, more Rory McElroy, if he like does really well, yep. he should be rewarded for that and not, I don't know. I, yeah, I, that's I a great idea. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember. I might've read that in the article that they're looking at doing something like that. I can't remember now, but that's a great way to do it. Cause then you have that guy at the end who makes that putt and he's the guy who won, you know, like it's clear cut that he was right. the winner of the whole thing. And he's celebrating cause he won $10 million, not cause he won the tournament that was paying out like 2 million or, mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's my idea on, uh, on golf. That being said, I love golf and I love watching it all the time. Um, you ready for my last worst one? Let's go. What's bottom? All right. So I also recognize I left off other, other sports. Obviously there's a ton like college baseball, but I'm not really, I'm not in the know enough with college baseball to, to rank it. So I don't want to. Do that, but that being said, I'm not in the know with this last one either, and I still ranked it, and that's NASCAR. So NASCAR to me, I like I've tried to watch it somewhat on TV and understand what's happening, and I even looked up online like how does this work, the playoff system, and I'm sure someone can explain it to me, and it's not as complicated as it seems, but it sure seems complicated and confusing for me, and. I've heard lots of complaints from NASCAR fans about it, um, just different ideas of how to do it. I know it's you know, something that NASCAR's tried to institute to make things more exciting. Um, NASCAR is just having a lot of problems implementing it well, I think. Um, there's definitely some benefits to it. Um, Jimmy Johnson seemed to win it like all the time. I feel like it doesn't matter how he changes the Yeah, how Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson ends up winning it, even if he wasn't the best like in the, quote, regular season. Um, the chase, you know, the chase for the cup, or I think now it's called the chase for the playoffs, or the mm-hmm. chase for the championship, whatever it's called, is um, is confusing, and it's and it's just weird to me. Like in the last race, you have guys racing in it. It sounds like who, based on the way I've watched it before, who don't have a shot of winning it, mm-hmm. and like there's you know teams within that, and so it just gets almost political of like who is helping who get where, and it's just. That last race has a ton of uh, accidents, which are exciting, I guess, because people are going mm-hmm. hard at it. But it's just weird to me. There's people involved that aren't playing a role in it, um, or are potentially going to win it. So I'm 100% prefacing my comments with I'm ignorant to NASCAR. Mm-hmm. But as an ignorant person who has tried to get into it, that's a sign to me of a failed playoff system. Because what do we say with March Madness? My number one. There's people who have no idea what's happening with it, watching it, caring about it, and understanding. Mm -hmm. This team lost, this team won. That means I marked this in red and this in yellow Mm -hmm. on my bracket. And so it pulls in other fans that weren't previously involved. And with NASCAR, it seems like you got to be into this to really be able to track it, Um, who's who's where and what's the playoff chase and who's out, who's in, and Mm -hmm. where it it feeds next. And I know it's kind of similar to golf where they they whittle down, okay, there's like 20 drivers, and they, you know, get it down Mm. race after race. Um, and there's wild card qualifiers and stuff, but just to me, it's a little bit too, too complicated, hard for me to understand. 
and just not as exciting and doesn't doesn't seem to be um, enticing to me to like pick up and watch like March Madness would be. So that's why I have it low. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and I think they also changed. The, they've changed. My understanding, I don't know it super well either, but they've changed their format a couple times. Yeah, and they the changed it a lot. Yeah, and they changed it a lot, so it's hard to keep up with what actually is their champion. I think that's the problem. They're having a similar problem as golf, is they you would have a winner of a race, and then they would also crown their champion. Right. So you have this weird uh, back and forth between like you just it's just hard to pick of like who okay they won the race but they're actually the champion. It was just, it's just a weird thing. My thought, this is a crazy thought, of is you could do it um, like in the Olympics where you have like qualifying heats where say you have like the um, the downhill snowboard race or like with skis. You have groups of four. They have to qualify heat and then it, like it's like a bracket that keeps getting smaller and smaller but it's still races of four. So you could do it to where say you have, I don't know, say you have 20... 20 racers or something. Uh, that's not before. Maybe say you have 32 and you do like qualifying little races of like 20 laps or something like that. You basically pick a, you could pick a weekend or pick a couple weekends and then make very little races and then make the winners keep going in. So you could make it very quick enough to where you could actually like, it would matter like winning it. Um, but maybe you could just make it that last one exciting. Maybe you could wait it in a certain way. Yeah. To get people excited about it. But. Yeah, I like the waiting idea. Overall, to me, it's interesting, and I think it's telling like to our culture and like sports culture is that these ones we've been talking about at the end, NASCAR, golf, and college football, all my three bottom, all previously did not have a playoff system in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, yeah, I'm pretty sure NASCAR put it in like 2004 or something. Yeah. they None of them had playoff systems in place, and they're like, hey, this playoff thing is like people love this. How can we do this playoff thing? Whereas before that, people were totally fine, it sounds like, mm-hmm. relatively fine, not having crowning a final champion based off a playoff system. But some of these other success stories that we've listed out on my top, I think, has enticed these other sports to be like, hey, this is really working for those guys where we have a playoff system and it kind of eliminates mm-hmm. people down and we crown a champion. How can we make this retroactively fit into what we do? And they just had a – it's tough to do that, I think, mm-hmm. with NASCAR, golf, and college football to – college football is actually pretty easy. But NASCAR and golf, it's kind of hard to do that. And that's why tennis hasn't tried that, right? Tennis isn't doing any playoff format or trying to make no. this happen. They're good with it the way it is. I but it's I, interesting that golf and NASCAR have tried to pick that up and make it happen. Yeah. And that's – it is interesting. Uh, that it, And I would actually argue that you could ar- – you could argue that March Madness has really pushed because yep. of how much money is in this short period of time and everyone's trying to get yes. a piece of that um, viewership. So I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily a better way. I think sometimes with these sports, it's either they have to kind of go with what they've got. But if they're a niche, I think it's also okay to be a niche and like right. really own that niche and not try to be something that you're not. Right, either. like tennis. Like I'm saying, the tennis... Yeah. It like I don't know how you would do. You could do a playoff type system, probably easier in tennis than you could in golf and NASCAR because you go mano a mano. It's a it's a one on one matchup. So time. you could do that, and it would be probably way more entertaining than it would be for these these other sports. Um, but they've obviously chosen not to do that. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, it's just like your sport might not be conducive for a playoff format. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So, and then also, the, yeah, there's the, you didn't mention, like, college baseball, and I like watching that, but 
I think the hard thing with college baseball is it's kind of confusing to explain to a, a non-fan. So if I was going to sit here and, so I could try to explain to you that, it's, it is also 64 teams, but then it's like 16 regional hosts play double elimination. The winners play a best-of-three game series at the higher seed, and then those eight teams then play a double elimination, and then the champions play a three-game series. So it's cool, and like you, everyone feels like you have a chance, and it has a similar feel which Marsh Madness, but I think it is a little bit more of a confusing format. And also baseball is also just becoming more of a uh, more of a marginalized regional sport. Right. So it's different than basketball. Right. Where it's in, and you, you, but basketball, it's okay to do a one, one game right. winner take all. And baseball, like I was saying before, it is more of a series. The MLB can, seems to think it's okay for wild card round, but no, most yeah, of us yeah, would MLB disagree with that. MLB seems totally fine. Um, so I... I think college baseball is fine the way it is, and I think it doesn't need to try to switch it. But it is a little confusing trying to explain that to someone right. who doesn't follow it. I do like that it's in Omaha every year. Yeah. It is where it is, right? Omaha. Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, I have a friend friend who's been to it before and, mm-hmm. and loved it. And so I think that's really cool and kind of like, just like you said, it's almost like a, not a niche thing, but it's kind of like regional. And I think that's really cool that they go to Omaha every year. And, like, if you're mm. big into that, you could make a vacation around it and go there and, like, think about that for, you You know, in two years from now I'm going to go to the playoffs in Omaha. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then when you watch it on TV, you're like, hey, I've been there every year. You can say that. Right. That's, right. that's very cool. I like that. All right. Well, there you have it. There's um, our top ten list from Alex. Um Top nine, I think. Top maybe top nine. Top nine list. Top nine. Top nine. Trademark list. that. Top nine list. Top nine. <laughs> top nine list. So, um, tell us what you think. Would you switch any of these? Would you keep it the same? Do you like some of these suggestions we were making? Do you like it just the way it is? Let us know what you think. Um, subscribe, review. Um, but anyway, we're excited uh, to jump in. And so, Alex, thank you so much for being on and giving us your uh, your time and for your sure. thoughts. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening. And for now, we're signing off.